I'm going to be talking about the story of King David, David and, and Goliath, actually. And the way that I want to approach this is, you know, I feel like as people who have a destiny, people with a purpose, which obviously all of us are we're called, we have a purpose, we have a destiny, that part of that process of walking out our destiny that we come to, that we, that we see, is that there are a lot of times the giants that come in our path, giants that ultimately are going to try to keep us from moving forward from where we've come to in our walk and in our advancement of our purpose. They're, they're big problems, big issues, big places of sin that just really seem to get a hold of us. It can be kind of a number of things, but ultimately what it does is it, it kind of forms like this blockade, right? And it sort of stifles movement. And the enemy will put giants in our path at times because he thinks that he can form this blockade and he can kind of stop the movement of our purpose and our destiny and just keep us at bay and keep us where we are and, and never continue advancing. And ultimately, if it weren't for King David in the story that we're going to be talking about today, it, it's, it's quite possible that the nation of Israel never would have moved any further forward in the purpose and the destiny that God was leading them into because there was a giant that was in front of them that seemed to stop them and keep everyone from really having the courage and faith to be able to move forward and bring that giant down. And so I want to say to you today that you are meant to be a giant killer. You are created to be a giant killer. And the, lesson, uh, the message title for this morning is going to be Lessons from a Giant Killer. And so I want you to, as we go through this, I want you to think about this in your own life. I want you to think about the fact that you're going to see giants. In fact, the more you walk with God, the more you step into your purpose and destiny, the more likely it is that you will begin to see giants that begin to come into your path, that threaten you, that intimidate you, and try to keep you from moving forward. Maybe some of you are looking at a giant right now. Maybe some of you are already facing a giant, staring at a giant, and have been stopped, and, and you're not quite sure how to move forward. And I believe this message will be for you today. I believe this will encourage you today because David was a giant killer, but we are all created to be giant killers. None of us are meant to stay at an impasse and to be stopped and stymied in our movement forward in the ascension of our purpose and our destiny in this life, right? So in order to begin, I got to begin actually a little earlier than the part of David and Goliath, which that story is told in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start in 1 Samuel 16. Because I want you to, to, to really get the picture, try to create this scene in your mind. And this is the point where Samuel, the prophet, actually goes and anoints David, the, who's going to be the king of Israel. And something very interesting, very profound happens in this moment when, when Samuel anoints David that really kind of sets the stage for everything that happens after that in David's life. Most certainly the strength, the faith, uh, the courage that David displays when we get a little further in the story whenever he begins to face his giant. Okay, So First uh, Samuel 16, begin in verse, verse 1. So the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. 
I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So basically Samuel makes this trip. He travels into the area uh, where Jesse and his eight sons live and he doesn't really know which son or what's going to happen. He's just going, and the Lord has a plan to anoint someone who's going to become a king of Israel. So this is a pretty big deal, right? Samuel is, this is not some empty ceremony that's getting ready to happen. Like this is a substantial move and work of God that God is, is beginning to set the stage for something that he wants to do. So uh, let's start in verse 7. So the Lord said to Samuel, Oh, they brought out, I'm sorry, verse 6. So it was when they came that he, they looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So this is huge, Right, Eliab is, is the oldest son. And so it, it just seems that it would be a given that the oldest, the most man of stature by appearance, the, looks like the best warrior. It just seems like a given. And, and Samuel, he's the one that's on the mission to anoint. He thinks that this is going to be the guy. Everybody thinks this is going to be the guy. And the Lord says, no. I have, I've refused him. And he actually goes on to look at all the first seven of the eight sons. And the Lord says the same thing. No, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. Now, in that time, you know, the blessings were always the most abundant upon the firstborn. It's just the way that God had set this up. The firstborn ultimately was where the abundance of blessings flowed, and then there were still blessings on down through the lineage. But the firstborn was the one that would really carry the mantle. And so what is God doing here? What's he trying to say to us? I think he's sending a message, first of all, that's very clear. That And he even says, the Lord doesn't see as man sees, for we see the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. He's saying that, Many times, other people can really misjudge what true heart, true faith, and really ultimately what a real giant killer looks like. Amen? And, and so maybe you've been misjudged like that. Maybe you've been misassessed in, in the purpose and destiny. Maybe you've had some seeds planted like you know you've got a destiny and a purpose, but, but maybe some people on the outside don't quite see the same thing that God is speaking to you on the inside. Have faith today, folks. Man has never been a good assessor of things of the heart. 
It's only God who really peers into and sees what's inside of us. See, the destiny that he was in the process of writing through David, no one else, guys, no one else saw the giant killer in David besides God. Samuel, probably the most qualified man to make the judgment, had it wrong. All of Jesse had it wrong. All the brothers had it wrong. All the people who were part of the ceremony had it wrong. Does that give you hope today? Like maybe, you, maybe people have, have given you a, a wrong assessment or, or maybe people have beat you down or you're in an environment that just kind of speaks death and limitation, not hope and abundance. Don't fear because really what's important, what's more important than anything else is what God's opinion of you is, not what man's opinion of you is. And and we see that God's opinion is the one that wins out in this situation. Pick up in verse 8, I'm sorry, pick up in verse 11. Uh, And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. He was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And then here it is. This is the part that's so profound that I want you to see as we move into the rest of the story. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Praise God, hallelujah, that the spirit of the Lord comes upon men to empower and strengthen them with purpose for the destiny that he's created them for. Because really, apart from that, guys, we have, no, we have no chance. If it's not for the Spirit of the Lord coming upon David in this moment, I submit to you the rest of the story never happens. See, Samuel, he anointed David with an oil. But the Holy Spirit anointed David with a destiny. And can I tell you this today? The Holy Spirit is anointing you with a purpose and a destiny as well. See, in the Old Testament, the way the Holy Spirit moved, hallelujah, he came upon men. He empowered and he strengthened them. But you know, after Jesus did what he did on the cross, it's interesting, the Holy Spirit actually comes on the inside of men. Isn't that powerful? When you confess Christ and you give your life to him and you make him Lord and Savior, He doesn't just come upon you. He comes in you. He actually lives in the inside, and he never leaves. This was so important to David. He understood so much that his strength, that his purpose, and that his destiny was all relying upon the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that later on down the road, after he had fallen and sinned with Bathsheba, if you read Psalm 51 I believe verse 11, he says after that, he he begs, he says, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, he recognized the source of his strength. He recognized where that power had come from, and he was praying and begging God, don't let your Holy Spirit leave me. We, We are children of God. 
folks. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And whenever God comes and lives on the inside of us, not only does he save us and secure our eternal life in heaven with him, guys, he anoints you with a destiny. And he, and he puts within that anointing the absolute fullness of power to carry that destiny out. Is that unbelievable or what? And so we see this whole first beginning of the scene where it says that this is what happened, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David and he was with him from that point forward. So, so now let's move into 1 Samuel 17. And, and we see here uh, verses 1 through basically 16 that this is now where the Philistines are coming against Israel in battle and they've got their hero, their hero, their war champion, their giant, Goliath, who is standing now in front of Israel, and every soldier is shaking in their boots. So try to picture this. It says that the Philistines are on one side of this uh, cliff, and there's this valley, and then Israel is on the other side. And it says that, that Goliath, he is a man who is... It says that he, his height was six cubits and a span. A cubit is like 18 inches, and a span is nine. So that means he was nine foot, nine inches tall. Now, let's just, just think about that first. Who remembers Andre the Giant? Do you remember him? I think he was like seven foot, wasn't he? Like, you know, this guy's nine foot, nine inches tall. He's almost 10 feet. His head almost hits the rim of a basketball net. I'm guessing he's 500 plus pounds. I don't know. His coat of armor was over 100 pounds. He's a giant. He's as big as it gets. Now, a giant can be a lot of things for us, but ultimately, it's something really, really big, something really, really problematic that can stand in our way and prevent us from moving forward and advancing further into the destiny that God has created us for. And so let's, let's start to learn some lessons from David and this giant killer in this scene to really begin to understand how we bring down giants in our lives, okay? So first of all, this giant is, is blocking our view. He's blocking Israel's view of the destiny that's on the other side. He's so big, it's not just like a little thing, he's so big that now they've began to kind of lose the vision and lose the hope of this full destiny and future that's on the other side. When giants come into our lives, they can become so big, they can try to become so intimidating that they get up in our face to where we can't even see around them to see the destiny that's on the other side. They the giant wants you to only see one thing, and that's the big problem that's staring you in the face and that you can't see around it. Because if you do see around it, what's on the other side of purpose and destiny will encourage your spirit and will build your faith. But the giant wants to get so big in your life that you can't see around that. Another thing we know is it says that for 40 days, morning and night, Goliath came out. He stood at the cliff, and he intimidated him. Who among you will fight me and challenge me? If you can defeat me, we will serve you. If, you can de if we defeat you, you will serve us. Laughing, taunting, 
and he was intimidating them. 40 days. That's a, that's a, that's a complete number in Old Testament Hebrew number, right? 40 days, morning and night. What does that tell us? Guys, it tells us that your giants, those big problems, are not going to just go away. You can't wish them away. You have to deal with them. They have to be fought. They have to be brought down. Human nature, we have kind of an avoidance mentality, don't we? I mean, it'd be nice to just sort of, I'm going to sleep on it. When I wake up, hopefully it goes away. <laughs> you know, some things work that way. Maybe a headache, a sick stomach, right? A crying kid, you know, whatever. Uh, but giants... They don't work like that. They got to be dealt with. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make with giants in our lives is that we allow them to continue to grow and intimidate us and grow in their strength and, and their intimidation over us. The longer you let that thing live, the more size, the more strength it's going to build against you. It's got to be brought down. You can't treat it lightly. So we see this. He's coming out. He's taunting them. And we also see that, that uh, he's well decorated. He's got all of this fancy armor and stuff, you know. He's got all these extra things that add more and more to the, to the giant intimidation that he's bringing. A lot of times, the, pro, the big giants in our lives, the longer we let them survive, the longer we let them remain, it's like the more extra layers that they begin to develop on them, the more problems they begin to create in other little areas of our lives. It's like it just continues to spill out into more and more things. All of a sudden, this giant is affecting everything. You got a giant problem in, in your workplace or in your relationship, and then eventually you can't sleep well, then eventually your health goes down. You see what I'm saying? It just begins to spill over more and more into like all these different little things of your life. It contaminates all these different parts. And the giant is growing in strength and is growing in the way that it's keeping us from moving forward. So then we see, if we jump into uh, verse 17 here, in 1 Samuel 17, we see a move that's made. And this is David. This is obviously beyond the point of when he was anointed. And now this battle's happening. It says in verse 17, Jesse said to his son David, Take for your brothers an ephah of dry grain and ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. So take some food to them. So David's not even at the battle. He's back home taking care of sheep. Carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers are doing. Bring back news of them. He's... He's really just supposed to be a messenger boy right now. Nobody sees anything more than a messenger boy here right now. And Saul and the, uh, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. So you've got to peer into this a little bit. David 
sees something that's going on. He shows up to bring food, kind of see what's going on, bring back news to his dad. But all of a sudden, he sees something happening that just doesn't sit well with the purpose and the destiny inside of him that he's already been anointed with. He sees an enemy. He sees that there's this giant, there's this intimidation going on. And what does he do? He does something that is completely opposite of what almost everybody else is doing. He goes toward the giant. In fact, it says he ran. Now, this is crazy because everybody else is running from the big problem, and David is running to. Wow. He is going forth with an aggression and a fury because he's seen something that is an enemy that opposes the destiny that's in him and that's on his people. So, guys, when giants are in our lives, we need to go forth with an aggression and with a fury and with a faith that we know if something opposes the will of God that's meant to happen in our lives, if Satan and the enemy brings a giant in your life, ultimately, God intends to bring that thing down. And there ought to be a faith that causes us to move forward. And David goes right out toward the front line of what's happening. Guys, the battle in our lives of taking territory, because our destiny is an advancing purpose of destiny, and it's one where we're taking territory consistently from the enemy. Can I tell you something? You only take territory out on the front line. That's where the battle is fought. That's where the enemy is. You know, we, we come to church, we, we worship together here in this building, and, 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 and that's important. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, right? And so we come and we worship together and we fellowship together and we grow in our faith. But can I tell you something? This is not the front line. It's not. The front line is out there in your life where you're living day to day when you're dealing with the realities of life and a formidable foe, an enemy who has your destruction in his sights. And he's going to bring giants in front of you and you're going to need to fight them out on the front line. And you're going to have to be ready, you're going to have to be prepared, and you're going to have to move in the direction, not away from, because it's not going away, but toward with a fight and a faith in you that is going to bring that thing down. Amen? Amen. So, yeah, that's good. A little, uh, little, little excitement in this place right now wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And this is what I love is that, you know, God had a plan right here. You see it. God had a plan to bring a real giant killer to the front line of the fight of what was going on. He had a man, he had one who had the faith in him, who was anointed, who had the spirit upon him, that he could move to the front line of the battle, that he knew would go and fight this battle with the real weapon that needed to be fought with, which is the weapon of faith. He had a man, and he began to strategically move David to the front line of where the battle was happening. Now, we see here, 
that, 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 giant, that David, as soon as he gets there, he starts to talk to, to Saul and his brother's like, hey, this isn't going to work. What's going on? Like, I, we need to do something about this. I'll, I'll go out there and deal with this Philistine right now. I'm paraphrasing, right? But he, and, and his brothers and Saul and all these guys are like, what are you doing? Like, you little kid, you're... You're, you're, why are you even thinking like this? You're not going to do anything. Why are you acting this way? You need to just get out of here and go back home to your daddy. You need to like leave and let the men deal with this thing. Really? The men? Hmm. Right? But, but here's what my point is, is that everybody is looking at who the real giant killer is, and they're not seeing what God sees. They're seeing something completely different. They're like, you're of no value here. You're of no use here because they're seeing with the eyes of men, not with the eyes of God. And people will peer upon us, will gaze upon us. And a lot of times there will be naysayers in our lives that if we listen to that message, if we actually let that message get in us and take root, it only brings discouragement, hopelessness, despair and lack of faith and doubt. It totally conflicts and contradicts with what God says it's in us. And this is one of the things I think I respect and just value more in David than almost anything else is that he's hearing all this from everybody. Put yourself in the situation. A whole army's laughing at you, telling you, get out of here. And he's like, I got this. God's got this, right? I mean, he's just, it doesn't even mess with him in the slightest bit. Why is that? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He goes on to tell him, he's like, you don't understand. He's telling Saul, he's like, you don't understand. He's like, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. They came out to attack my father's sheep. And I went and I snatched the sheep out of the mouth of the beast. And then he says, I grabbed him by the mouth and I brought him down. How do you do that? How do you kill a bear or a lion with your bare hands? Is that amazing or what? So the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And what do we see again in those situations is that David was running to the problem. He was going to the issue. He wasn't running from it. He was going to it. And I think that he, I don't know exactly what his thought process was through all that moment, but I know faith was what was really driving everything because he knew that God was with him and that he was going to go out there and he was going to defeat that beast or why would he ever put himself in that situation to begin with? He had full faith that God was going to deliver him and, spare, and, and save him and he was going to defeat that beast. So David says, I, I've killed the bear, I've killed the lion. So he's, he's been in situations already. When you kill a giant, your faith, your Belief in going forward begins to build and grow. The Bible says we live from faith to faith. And as we grow in our faith upon victory upon victory, we begin to build in our confidence, our faith, and our trust in God. In every giant that we begin to face, we look at and we, we can borrow faith from the giants that we've already brought down. And so much so that when he's saying this, Saul finally says, okay. Okay, you can go. Here's all of my armor, he says. So they put all this armor and all these weapons on David, you know, and so he's supposed to go out and fight the Philistine. 
And uh, he tries to walk, and he's so little that he can't even walk in this armor. He can't even move in this armor. And he says, I, I, this, isn't, this isn't me. No. Get it off. I'm going to use my sling and some stones. What does that say? He recognizes, I'm going to go out and I'm going to beat this giant by being exactly who I am. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be who God's created me to be. I'm not going to walk in another man's shoes. I'm not going to walk in another man's armor. See, this anointing that's on me, it's a unique anointing. It's a unique anointing to all of us. We're created to walk uniquely exactly as who we are, but it's the same purpose and the same, or the same power and the same God that is fueling us and empowering all of us along the way to do what it is that we're called to do. He says, I'll trust the sling and the stone because that's who God's made me to be. I've been a shepherd boy. I've been slinging stones for a long time. I'm pretty accurate. I'm pretty gifted there. I'm going to trust who God's made me to be, and I'm going to go out and kill this giant in my own identity, not in somebody else's shoes. I love this part of the story. He, dr he drops all the armor. He picks up the slings and the stone. And listen to this. It says here, In, in chapter 17, verse 40, it says, He took the staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Good-looking seems to be important. I don't know. <laughs> Keeps coming up. <laughs> so the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Everybody else is running, hiding, and shaking in their boots at this intimidation, right? And then David said, little David, sling and stones, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp to, of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it, was when, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Totally different reaction. Something completely different is happening in David than what's happening in all of the other men in the camp. They're getting scared. They're hiding and they're running. David is getting more furious with the enemy who's defying the will of God. 
He's getting stronger. He's getting more courageous. And he's running. He says he, now he's running toward the giant. He's running right at him. You want to fight? You got it. He's not putting any faith in himself. You can see right here from what he's saying. He's putting all of his faith in God. He's saying the, the Lord doesn't save by spear and by javelin or by sword. He's going to save by the, his power and his spirit who's going to deliver you into my hand today. That all of Israel may, that all may know that there's a God in Israel. He's got the, he's got the glory for God in his sights at this moment. He's not, he doesn't care about going and being the guy who killed Goliath. That's not part of his MO. That's not his agenda. He's wanting God to be made famous here. He's wanting a giant to be brought down so the purpose and the destiny that God has wrought in them can be advanced. He doesn't have a personal agenda, not some selfish motive. He's as humble as it gets right here. He's looking at this and saying, God's going to be made famous from all this. You know what? That is exactly what happens. It says that he goes up and he, and he, he slings the stone. It crushes into his head. Now, I watched this thing. Everybody ever see that thing, Deadliest Warrior, before? Or like do kind of like historical assessments of different weapons that warriors use? Well, I saw this one. It was very interesting. On the sling and the stone. And the way that they figure this, David was really good with this sling and this stone, that the size of this rock, at the mile per hour that it was traveling, when it hit his face, they did a reenaction of like a, a, a human skull that was recreated with the same density and everything as bone matter. And, so, and then they fired the projectile of the same size and the same speed into this. The rock crushed through and actually traveled all the way back, just like destroyed everything on the front, traveled all the way almost like to the middle of the skull. Like this thing crushed through there. It was a de devastating blow, okay? And he goes down. But what does David do? He was probably going to die, most likely. But what does David do? He goes up. He takes Goliath's own sword. And he cuts off his head. What does that say to us? A lot of times, we deal with something, but we don't really kill it. We don't really cut the head off the giant that's facing us. We let that thing live to fight us, or worse, fight our kids or our grandkids another day. David said, he said, this giant will never ever stand in the way of our people again. I'm going to cut off his head. And he's going to be done for good. He chopped off his head. God has given you an anointing. It's unique. It's purposeful. It's a destiny. And it's meant to bring down the giants that will most certainly at points show themselves and face you in your path. When they do, don't be satisfied with just striking a blow. You have to cut the head off. You have to finish the thing. 
You have to make sure that that giant never comes back to deal with you or to deal with your kids or your lineage or anyone else ever again. And God will give you the full ability to do that. Amen? Amen. I close with this. Now close with this. I love this. Verse 55. When, da- when Saul had saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He never forgot where he came from. Humility. is a quality of a giant killer. If you're going to bring down giants, you got to know it's very important that you don't forget where you came from and that you never forget it's God who gets the glory. Men will want to praise you when you bring down giants because it says the rest of Israel, it says after David killed them, that they all went running. All of a sudden, they're these brave, courageous men chasing the rest of the Philistines, slaughtering them, chasing them and killing them off one by one. All of a sudden, they're these heroes. They're these valiant warriors again. The courage of one man, the faith of one man ignites the faith of a nation. And when he stands before Saul, he says, I'm just, I'm just the son of Jesse. Just David. And he's anointed to be a king. Humility. What's beautiful is David ends up going on after he becomes king to raise up multiple more giant killers. There were three other giants that were killed by David's mighty men and a fourth Egyptian who was almost as big as a giant. That warrior was Benaiah. It says that he went down and fought a seven-foot-something Egyptian who was a man of stature, very impressive warrior, and he took the spear out of the Egyptian's hands and killed him with his own spear. David raised up four other giant killers and multitudes of valiant warriors in his future walk with God. Multiplied. He grew. It's amazing when you look at this, that this one thing, this one event that happened with Goliath, this giant coming down, set the stage for multitudes of other victories that were won by many other men because David's faith ignited other people's faith. 
His victory helped build faith that other people would have those same victories. And he was pointing back to God the entire time. Amen. Stand to your feet with me today. My whole hope today was to really help you to see, to prepare you. As you move and ascend into this purpose and this destiny that you're on, you're going to face giants. You are. They've been a part of the Bible from the beginning to the end, really. There's always been giants in the way of God's people. You're going to face them. You got to be ready. You got to be prepared. And you got to know the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, He is in you. And He has anointed you with a destiny. And is he has empowered you with the ability to bring down giants. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for the lesson, for the encouragement, for the faith that we draw upon as we read your word and as we hear the story of David and Goliath and these giants. And God, I ask that you would just take this message and begin to drive it deep into our spirit and produce faith in us that, know, that we know that we too are giant killers. We too are created with this purpose and this destiny, Lord, and that your power works within us and it is greater than any opposing force outside of us. If there are any giants right now that are stopping people here, that are in front of people, God, I ask you now to begin to build that boldness and that courage in them that you had, that David had, that they would not avoid it, that they would not run from it, that they would go to it, that they would deal with it, that they would kill it, and they would fight the fight of faith, and that they would destroy that thing once and for all for good. And we pray, God, that many more giant killers would be raised up in this house. In Christ's name we pray, amen.